this cannot be allowed to continue anymore. Look, you've just blown this evening. You had a great opportunity and you've got to keep repeating this pattern again and again until you do something about it. What's up, Carefire Capitalists? I am your host, Desmond Dixon, and today we have no Heather, no Josh. You just have me and an amazing guest all the way over the pond in the UK. We have Miss Nina Cook, and I'm so grateful for her to come on the show today because she is a powerhouse of an amazing woman with a lot of game, and I'm really excited for her to share some of her knowledge and her expertise with you guys here on the pod. What's up, Nina? Thanks for coming on the show. Great to be here, Desmond. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Um, so let me just give you an idea of who Nina is before we hop in. So Nina helps six and seven figure service-based experts create an unstoppable mindset so they can build authority, boost their profits. We like money, everyone. Nina has worked with hundreds of established entrepreneurs, helping them increase their income by up to 800%. Let me repeat that, everyone. 800%. This is the co-author of Renegade Mindset, a financial advisor's guide to peak performance mindset, the host of Entrepreneur's Inner Game podcast. She has interviewed world-class entrepreneurs and best-selling authors. She's been featured in Entrepreneur Magazine on BBC Radio and on top podcasts. Woo! Welcome to the show, Nina. Thanks for, it, thanks for being here. It's so good to be here, Desmond. Oh, man. Oh, man. So before we even like get into any game... Like, just kind of just give us a, a quick idea of your journey, your path, and like who Nina is and how did Nina become Nina? How did I become me? That's such a great question. I became me. I would say there were a couple of things which sort of came together for me. First of all, I had, um, I became a parent that was huge. And I'd see my beautiful children running around full of natural self-confidence and I felt the contrast with myself because I, I didn't have any confidence. I was good at faking it, but really I was very comfortable hiding away. I didn't want tension. I grew up in a household where if I had attention, it meant I was in trouble. So I equated people uh, looking at me or hearing me with, I'm going to be in trouble at some point. So I hid away. I was the one at the back of the room. I didn't join in conversations if I could help it because I didn't feel I had anything to offer of value. So I'd see my beautiful children exuding wonderful confidence and it made me feel that I what couldn't be a good role model for them until I tackled this for myself and found a way of connecting with my own self-confidence. So that was always running through my mind once I became a mother. And the other thing was I started a business, an online personal shopping business in 2005 when my youngest was very small and it became successful, but I was able to market it by being invisible. I had a great coach and he showed me how I could do Google AdWords marketing. So I never had to put my name on my website. I never had to put my photo on my website. I didn't do social media was in a fledgling state, but I didn't do any visible marketing around it. And I was lucky to get clients through my Google ads. And I booked a big corporate client one day. It was one of the big accountancy firms in London. 
and they booked me for a pampering evening for their top female execs and their top clients. And in the evening, they we went along to the offices. I took a team of around 20 personal shoppers, uh, makeup artists, manicurists. And we went to this office and it was really swanky in the middle of London, you know, wonderful uh, floor to ceiling windows, huge plants everywhere. The buffet table was groaning with lovely food. There were champagne glasses tinkling. And we set everything up. And, you know, the, the guests were forming queues to see their expert. It was all really nicely done. And once everything was set up, I was free. I made sure everyone was in the right place at the right time. And then I thought, okay, this is my chance to talk to these top execs at this company and, you know, build a relationship with them and see if I can get some more bookings from them. So I started walking towards these two very, very smartly dressed women looking very powerful in their business suits. And as I was walking towards them, I suddenly stopped and I thought, what are you doing? Don't go and speak to them because you're going to put yourself in danger. They're going to see that you're a fraud. They're going to realize you're really boring or not worth talking to. And they're going to think, well, why have we booked this person who is lacking in so many areas? So I stopped as, as soon as I had this thought and I turned a, a sharp left and I thought, where can I just hang out for the rest of the evening? And I found some darkish offices which were closed for the evening. And I tried one of the door handles and it opened and I went inside and I spent the rest of the evening there. I hid away from everyone. And as I was sitting there, I thought, this is mad. But I didn't have the courage to go out. And then towards the end of the evening, I ventured out of the office, made sure that all my team were happy, that they were packed away, they all got off safely. And then I went home by train. It was a cold, dark November evening. And I sat in the train and I had a window seat. And I looked at myself in the, in the mirror and I saw my reflection and I just shook my head at myself and I thought, you have got to sort this out. This cannot be allowed to continue anymore. Look, you've just blown this evening. You had a great opportunity and you've got to keep repeating this pattern again and again until you do something about it. And I, that was the moment I really made that strong, firm commitment it was playing around in my head. I need to do something. But then I thought, now I'm going to do something. And I started exploring to see what was out there. I was looking for something that would give me a permanent change. I didn't want anything that would just give me a temporary fix that was going to skim the surface. I want something profound. And I knew it was out there, but I just had to find it. So I did lots of training. I did lots of courses. I got certificates. And a lot of it was good but it just wasn't changing me permanently. It wasn't changing the way I felt. And I would have, I would feel good for a few days and then it would bounce back into the negative thinking. And then eventually one day a friend sent me an email and she said, you're interested in this type of stuff. And it was an email about limiting beliefs. So I followed this email to this coach in America and he said, the only reason you feel so unconfident is because you believe your limiting beliefs are true about you. And I went, well, OK. By this time, I was, I was quite sceptical. I thought, well, I'm never going to be able to find anything that changes me permanently. I'm sort of stuck like this. I get a little bit of a change, but that's all I can hope for. Anyway, he, he helped me to identify my limiting beliefs, which were largely self-esteem 
at that time. I'm not good enough. There's something wrong with me. I'm a fraud. No one's interested in what I have to say. It's dangerous to be noticed and on and on. And he showed me how I could dissolve these beliefs in my subconscious. And after a while, I I started making different decisions and it just all crept up on me. It wasn't like a big aha moment, like, oh, wow, I see the world differently. And I remember I, I wanted to make, for a while, I wanted to make little videos and put them on the internet, but I was being too scared because I thought, well, I've got nothing to contribute. And what if I say something wrong and someone criticizes me? So I never did it. And I remember thinking one day, I'm going to make a, a short video. And I sort of waited for the resistance and there wasn't any. I thought, okay, so I, I made a video and it wasn't perfect by any by any stretch of the imagination. It was blurry, the sound quality was really poor. But I thought, I've got a message here. I'm, I'm pleased with the message that I have. And I put it on the internet and I felt really good about it. And that was the first indication to me that, wow, it feels safe to be seen. I don't have to keep hiding from the world. And it actually feels quite good to sort of, you know, spread my elbows out a bit, take a bit of space out there. And I, I, I didn't care. I didn't worry about people criticizing me or thinking that I didn't have anything of value to offer. I wanted to get my message out there. And from there, Desmond, things changed big time. My confidence grew. I started feeling adventurous. I started wanting to play. And this had a huge impact on my business. Not only did my personal shopping business grow because I started talking to people about what I did. And I started putting more information out there. I added my name and my face to my website, started sending newsletters out. And it was so exciting and liberating for me because all these fears that I'd created in my head, actually none of them existed. <laughs> because they didn't exist, I, those barriers I'd built around me, they sort of fell away. And I felt I could just stretch myself out without any danger. And uh, after I started doing this for myself, I thought, oh, I really, really want to work with other business owners who I could see were getting in their own way, just as I had been doing. And there was no need for them to do that. It was completely avoidable for them. And then I started working with entrepreneurs to help them to get out of their own way, because this is what I do every day. And I'm, I'm pretty good at it. And now I work with them to help them to identify those biggest challenges that stop them. And the biggest challenges for most entrepreneurs tend to be around fear of being visible and putting themselves out there because they fear rejection. It's about um, charging higher fees because they feel that they don't have enough value. It's a lot about overwhelm and lack of focus because they feel there's so many things I could do. I don't know what to focus on. And that can lead into procrastination. And procrastinating in your business, as you know, is a really great way to stop getting more clients and more income. And there's also a lot of fear, and you you know you know this so well, about having sales conversations and having to sell ourselves to a, a stranger. That can be really, really scary for some people. And there's lots of um, blocks around success as well. We think we want success, but actually one of my favorite questions to ask clients is, what do you fear most about having more success? What would you stand to lose? What would you have to sacrifice? And that is, that is my story. And this is how I've got to do what I'm doing now. Man, I, I loved every second of that. And I, I really want to 
unpack some things because like from a macro scale, there were like some very clear stages of your evolution, the Nina evolution, right? That's a great sound bite. Um, <laughs> so the first stage that I'm, I'm just being the, the, the person on the outside, like, again, it sounds like you have this awareness moment of like, wow, I am aware the moment staring at yourself. And that reflection on the train was like the awareness moment, like, wow, I, something needs to change. Then you went into what most people, you know, really struggle with, which is like taking action, right? Like you took action, you bought courses, you were going to probably seminars, you were just really consuming, right? So like a consumption action, right? And then it sounds like you were in such action that other people around you noticed that you were growing and they made a suggestion to you or sent you something, right? Because they were thinking of you uh, top of mind. And then that opens you up to something that sounds like more exper- uh, experiential, you know, something that, you know, that was like, Ronald was like perfect for you, right? At the right time, at the right moment, the right piece of information that created some type of shift in your brain to really like break through a massive breakthrough. And then that led into just this exponential growth because then you're able to really, 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 you know, that the confidence and the certainty just, you know, um, um, you know, really, really, really went out to the marketplace and your, your immediate environment. So that's a super cool. So I'm super interested to kind of hear this point from you um, about your particular journey, right? When you made this pivot, right? This inner game that you pivoted with, what was, talk to me about like the conversations, right? Let's, I think that's a super important piece, especially since I'm in sales. Like I think most business owners, like with networking and marketing, sales, operations, everything comes down to communication, Talk to me about like the drastic difference in your in your conversations. Like unpack that a little bit. Like how you showed up to those conversations and like your mindset around those conversations. Like talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah, the conversations I started having were being able. I came, I stopped worrying about what people thought about me, and I started coming more from the um, position of wanting to provide value. And so I was able to talk to them more openly than I'd ever been able to do before about how what I did could help them solve their problems. So before I'd been writing about it, you know, I was able to write my website. I was able to have a phone conversation where I couldn't see people. But now I was talking to more of a mass audience, if you like. And so my conversations with my mass audience were more about this is what the challenge is that you're suffering from. And this is what I have that will be able to help you. So it was the confidence to be able to talk about what I did and the nuances of the mindset work that I did without any fear of them saying, oh, well, that doesn't have any value or that's not interesting to me or who is she to be able to talk like that? I forgot about all of that stuff. And so I I think what I'm trying to say is that my whole mindset was not are they going to value what I have to say? Are they going to like me? But I need to share what I'm doing because it may be of help to you. And if it's not of help to you, that's okay. I'm not offended because I don't have to have everyone to like me. I don't need millions of clients. And my focus became speaking to those people who were um, hearing my message and to not worry about the people who weren't hearing my message. So I became very, very focused in my communication 
and aligned with my message. You see, there was always that part of me that used to think about what do people want me to say? How do they want me to be? And I have to please them and I have to twist myself into being the Nina that they want me to be. And that was all upside down and back to front because that was where all this fraud complex came in because I would talk to one person and be one way with that person because I felt they wanted me to be one way. And I talked to someone else and I had to be another way to that person so they would like me. And that just made, that used to just make my mind twist into little knots. So the change, main change is that I was able to be confident and be authentic in my message without worrying about what other people thought of me. Oh, wow. That's, that's good stuff. Um, man, something I want the audience to really like cling on to, to what you just said, what you said was amazing. It, overall, you pivoted from your inner dialogue being about you to being about the other person. And then you just naturally showed up. You stopped trying to be something to appease someone. Like you, 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 you turned the attention away from you and to them, right? You focused out. And I think this is an important point because no matter what stage your business is in, the conversations are going to be different, right? The conversations are going to be different if you're just starting out to if you're at a plateau at six figures and you're trying to get to seven, it's even going from seven to eight, eight to nine, nine to 10. Like each one of, every time you had a zero in your revenue, like your conversations are going to be different. And it's important that you don't try to change yourself. You just change the conversations by being focused on that next challenge or the next or, or that person you're communicating with. I thought that was an, I, that was an amazing take me and I really appreciate that. So um, let's pivot here a little bit, right? Let's, let's, let's pivot into your zone of genius a little bit. And I, I have a really, really, you know, really interesting question I want to ask you, which is like, what is the difference between successful entrepreneurs and the ones that feel they don't get the results they want? Yeah, that's a really interesting question. This is something that I've thought about a lot. I don't believe it comes down to talent or skill set or the family you were born into or even connections, although connections can play a role to some extent. But first, let's say for most entrepreneurs, we're starting off on our own. You know, we're solopreneurs at the beginning. So connections doesn't come so much into it for most entrepreneurs. And I don't believe it's, you know, the color of our skin or it's um, all of those things that people will put, you know, success down to. I believe it's down to our mindset and it comes down to whether we believe we can have what we want or whether we believe we're limited and we can only have some of what we want, but we can't have it all. So it comes down to our thinking about what is possible for us. And we both know, I mean, there are many stories of people who started out with nothing and they became very, very successful, whether it's in business or whether it's in some other thing in life. I believe they had such a strong vision that nothing would ever stop them. And even if they became successful, then, you know, they lost success. You know that they're going to build it up again because they have that thinking that's going to allow them to do it again and again and again. Even if they have success and they lose it 10 times over, you know they're going to come back stronger next time around. So they have this thinking that no matter what's going on in the physical world out there, they will have their success. 
Nothing will ever stop them. And so it's that thinking. It's almost like that steel clad thinking that they're not going to accept what is going on out there to be their story and their truth. Even if it's not working out for them, even if they have debt or they haven't got the clients they want, they have this vision within them. And that vision to them is more real than anything they see in the physical world. And they never, ever lose that that assumption that they will have it and they will have it on their terms. So I've, I call people who are successful. The, the people who are successful for me are not the ones who work, you know, 18 hour days. They don't see their families. They may have a lot of money in the bank, but, you know, they don't have time to enjoy it. And, you know, family life suffers. They, to me, are not successful people. They may be wealthy, but the people who are successful are the ones who do have a great business. It's fulfilling. They have family life. They have a great work-life balance. Those, to me, are the successful people. And it hasn't come as, a, as luck or coincidence. They have deliberately built that business. And sure, there may be a period of time when they were working silly hours, but they knew that when that period stopped, then they would move into that lifestyle that they wanted. Okay, we got to unpack something there. Um, a, a key thing that you talked about was the fact that two things, the resilience, not like even though they go through failure, what's going on in the external world, like they're so certain about their internal world and their vision. And then you also mentioned, I think it's big with entrepreneurship. I think this comes up on our pod a lot, which is like time where it's like working 16 hours a day. Sure, you might be making all the money, but are you actually enjoying the fruit of all this labor that you're putting into, right? So um, let's let's unpack the first one first uh, with terms of like failure. So like, you know, what, you know, what would be some advice or tips or tools or what, what are some more things that you can like, you know, share with our audience about like dealing with failure, right? Because we are going to deal with it at one point, right? I mean, no one goes, you know, eight for eight, 10 for 10, you know, we are going to go through, through setbacks. So like, you know, what can you share with our audience that really help them get through setbacks or through failure, you think? Yeah, this is a big one. You know, one of the biggest limiting beliefs that my clients come to me with is that mistakes and failure are bad. And then very closely tied to that belief is the belief, if I make a mistake or fail, I'll be rejected. So we tend to think that failure or mistakes are bad because, you know, when we were at school and we got a sum wrong, we get a big red cross next to it. We got something right, we get a nice tick next to it. So if we did something wrong, that was a bad thing. And, you know, we'd we'd made a big mistake and we had to correct it. I don't see failure and mistakes in that way at all. I see them as learnings. And I encourage my clients to remove the word failure and mistakes from their vocabulary and replace it with the word learning. So if we were to say, well, if I make a learning, that's bad. It doesn't make sense, does it? Because if we do something and it doesn't work, it's just giving us lots of great information. And this is very interesting because so many, not so many, a lot of entrepreneurs do fear taking a risk in their business. It may be something quite small or it may be a bigger risk because whenever we do something, we don't know what's on the other side of the action. We don't know what the result is going to be. We can't predict it as an entrepreneur. So if we launch an offer or if we make, uh, you know, if we make an offer to uh, a big mass offer to our email list or we're talking to someone on the phone, we make an offer to them. We can't predict 
with any certainty what the result is going to be. And that can strike fear into their hearts because they think, well, if I take that risk, if I spend time and money and effort putting together this big launch and no one really wants my program, then I waste that time and it's not worth the risk. But what they're really scared of is that they're going to put something out there, they're going to try something. And if it doesn't work, they've got nowhere to hide because then they have to look within themselves and say, well, what went wrong there? But that is not the conversation. The conversation is, ah, great. Okay. Well, I've got this result because it's always a result. Even if it's not the result you wanted, we still get a result from any action we take. And it's to take that result, look at the information it gives us, take the best of that information, so take the learning and then move to the next step. I mean, there are so many examples of people, you know, who've made prototypes until they got to the, they found the actual, um, the, the, the product they could take to market. You know, James Dyson, he made thousands of prototypes of the first vacuum cleaner. You know, there, there's, he didn't stop at the, at the first hundredth and think, well, it's not going to work. I've tried a hundred times and, you know, I'm going to give up now. No, he thought every time, he failed. Great. I've got some more information. Next one's going to be even better. It's going to be even better. It's going to... He was in it for the long journey and he learned and he developed and he evolved along the way. So think of it all as learnings. Have fun failing because this is your personal growth. These are your moments of your greatest growth when you don't get it right. And also think about it this way. You know, if everything we tried worked first time, how bored would we be? Where would be our learning? Where would be our growth if everything just worked first time round? We wouldn't bother trying, would we? So this is all about the journey. And I firmly believe that the end result we're looking for is not the pot of gold. Each step of the journey is as valuable. It can be as exciting. It can be as fulfilling as the end result itself. So if we have that mindset to enjoy the journey, to learn from every step, and it's okay to get it wrong, actually it can be really, really good to get it wrong from time to time, then maybe we'll be more open to taking risks in our business, which will eventually lead to much greater success. Boom. Love it. Love it. And so now I want to, you know, really move to that second half, which is the time thing. I'm really interested to hear your take on this, um, just because I was guilty of this. I, I do believe that you do need to have some type of hustle, at least in the beginning, because to be in action and not be, you know, stuck in your head and like just be in action, right? Like, even if you make mistakes, you're not going to know, you're going to learn by doing so I do believe like in the beginning and your entrepreneurial journey, at least the first couple of years that you should be all hands on deck, like really committed to it to prove to yourself. However, you um, there should be a point where you pivot from, okay, how can I like work doing to being and from being to being like a thinker, right? Being a capital allocator, right? Usually it's the transformation between solopreneur to business owner. You start to value more of your time and really focusing on higher dollar task, right? So talk to us a little bit for those entrepreneurs who are shifting or offloading some repetitive tasks to assistants or to a team or are thinking about scaling from six figures to seven. Talk to us a little bit about like the mindset or 
um, some inner shifts that need to happen, especially if you've been programmed for like three, four, five years to like go, 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 go. Like talk to us about that shift from working like 12, 16 hours doing to focusing more on like your family, like, you know what I mean? Like focusing on those other things in our life, prioritizing those other things as we scale. Yeah. And that's a really great question because every time we think about making a shift to the next level, that can be very, very challenging. So it's, for me, it's to, uh, most of it is about taking a leap of faith and changing your identity of who you are as an entrepreneur. So if you want to move on to the next stage of your success and your development, and that, as you said, can be about, you know, onboarding more team members, delegating more and not having to spend every minute of your day with your sleeves rolled up working in the heart of the business because you've got a team to take care of that stuff. And that means you can work on the higher level stuff and spending more time with your family. So it does come to down to changing your identity of who you now want to be. And I'm not saying, you know, you suddenly start talking in a different way and, you know, it's none of that. It's making that internal shift. So where you may have been um, thinking of yourself as a solopreneur who is having to work very hard to bring in the clients and then deliver and you're wearing lots of different hats. Now sit down and think about your identity and what stage now you want to be at. So how do you want your business to look? What do you want your team to do for you? Do you want to be running a business that keeps increasing in profit and you can step away and have holidays with your family, spend more time with your family because you've got a great team that takes care of you? So you have to first own that in your mind. And when I say identity, that is the identity you take on. Now you become someone who's working on your business rather than in your business. And you have that work-life balance going. And you have to see it in your mind before it starts manifesting in the outside world. So you have to really believe it and assume it and take ownership of that vision first and become very, very clear of how you want to be. So I'm not talking about how it will happen. So you don't have to get into the intricacies of, well, how many people do I need to hire? What do they need to do? All of this stuff. First and foremost is imagining the end state that would imply you already have that. So see yourself with a great team who's taking care of everything. See yourself having holidays with your family and you're just getting maybe emails from the person running the office saying, this went really well, just brought this new client on board. So really, really own it and assume you already have that lifestyle. And then as you do that, and as it becomes your identity and it becomes your normal, your new normal, then it'll become very, very clear exactly what steps you need to take to make that happen. And you will be shown those steps. So we spend too long trying to figure out how it's going to happen. Well, how am I ever going to get that lifestyle? Because I still have to get all of these things in place. And that's going to be really difficult, especially that bit over there is going to be really hard to do. I mean, I've tried it before and it didn't work. So we get bogged down and that's where all the doubts creep in. So we need to make sure that self-doubt does not come into play to spoil that vision. We have to keep that vision intact and we have to keep it, it becomes our 24-7 identity. So there's a method that I teach my clients on how to do this. 
And it does take some work, Desmond. It's not like you just flick your fingers and, you know, everything's just like great. It does take work, internal work first. And then all the steps, you become very clear with all the steps of how you create that business lifestyle. Man, uh, uh, let's repeat that, what you said at the end. It is going to take work. There is no magic pill or, you know, there's, you know, no, you know, quick fixes. As you know, if you're entrepreneurs listening to this podcast, you know that nothing comes easy, right? Like you need to put the work in. Like, yeah, you got the order. The order maybe became as easier than you thought, but fulfilling it, you still have to fulfill it, right? Like nothing is really that easy. So I, I really appreciate that. Um, so Nina, before we, before we wrap up here, um, you know, what, what is something that you want to leave behind You gave so many awesome nuggets, but you know, is there anything else that you want to like, just share like a quick tip or tool that, you know, people can like do right now that can help them, you know, really get their inner game together. Yeah. I'd like to share my three, a formula. The three, a formula is the first a is awareness. Awareness is always the first step to making any inner change. So become aware of where you are resisting taking action in your business. Are you resisting having more sales conversations? Are you resisting doing follow-ups? Are you resisting doing some sort of marketing or outreach? So think about those actions that are going to make a big difference in enrolling more clients. I'm talking about the big actions here, not all the stuff you know, that we do to keep ourselves busy during the day. So what are you resisting doing? Then accept, the second A is acceptance. Accept that you've resisted it so far. So don't beat yourself up about it. Don't go into this, you know, figuring out why you've resisted it. Forget all of that because that's your sort of mind clutter. Just say, okay, I've resisted doing it so far. It doesn't mean I'm a loser. It's all that's happened. I'm accepting it in the present moment. And when you accept something rather than argue against something, the acceptance gives you clarity and peace of mind. Just draw a line under it. Accept it. And the third A is, okay, I've accepted that I've resisted taking that action so far. The third A is action. I'm just going to do it. So you can do, you could give, give yourself a countdown. You can say three, two, one, I'm just going to write that email to that person that I've avoided speaking to for a long time, or I'm just going to do this marketing. Don't think it, don't overthink things because the more we think about things, the more time we give ourselves to make excuses and talk ourselves out of doing everything. So just do the 3A formula really quickly. Awareness, what have I resisted doing? Accepting it. Okay. I accept that I resisted doing it. I'm still a good person. I'm okay. Okay, action. What action am I going to take? Try those three steps very, very quickly. Get into action. And the more you can do this continue, continuously, day after day after day, you build up that momentum, even if it's reaching out to five people on LinkedIn every day. 25 people will have been reached by the end of the week. You will be getting some conversations going. Try it. Don't overthink it. We spend too much time trying to figure things out. And the more we do that, the more mind clutter we create in our heads. So keep a clear mind, make quick decisions and get into action. Boom. Love it. And so how can people find you, right? Because this was an awesome episode. So, you know, how can people get in touch with you? Like what's, what's the best way for us to, um, to get in touch with you, Nina? 
Well, Desmond, I, I keep getting asked by people, how do I find my limiting beliefs? I don't know how I'm getting in my own way. So I created a scorecard. It's called the Millionaire Mindset Scorecard. And this scorecard has a number of limiting beliefs around being more successful, you know, how we stop ourselves, and a number of limiting beliefs around having more money. So it's very simple. You can score yourself on these limiting beliefs and build up a picture of why you're stopping yourself from having more success and more money. It gives you all the information and it will really be enlightening. And then once you find the limiting beliefs that are getting in your way, then there's lots of analysis around them. So you can start building up a picture of you know, how this is working for you, what impact it's having in your life. And then it gives you steps on how you can start moving forward and dissolving these limiting beliefs. So it's packed full of content and it's got lots of value in it. And the link for it is ninacook.co.uk forward slash scorecard. Awesome. There you go, guys. You can definitely find that link in the show notes. So definitely see what your score is. And yo, this was an awesome episode. I really thank you for coming on, Nina. And I'm super grateful um, to continue this journey with you um, as well. So guys, we made it to the end. You have been here with us from the start. I really appreciate you guys. Don't forget to leave an amazing rating, review, a comment, hit Nina up if you want to get your inner game together. And um, yeah, this you think this is uh, really great for someone else, definitely feel free to share this episode with them. Um, definitely in your circle of entrepreneurs. You know, we, as you know, we like to stick together. So um, much appreciative to all you campfire capitalists out there. And uh, we will see you on the next show. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.